<laughs> so, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's funny. Oh, thank you. So I handed out a white sheet of paper, and on one side of it, it had, the, I think, the comparison between Jesus Christ and the Antichrist, there it is right there. Yeah, so how many of you don't have that paper? Okay. All right, thank you. If you could... Keep your hands up. Yeah, keep your hands up and we'll get, uh, we'll get you a copy of it. Now, if you were here two weeks ago, we handed it out. There'll be ten ninety-five for a copy. Okay, just want to let you know. <laughs> no reselling. Sorry. Uh, from who? <laughs> Did everybody get one that needed one? You have it. Okay, good. Okay. All right. Teresa, do you have one? Oh, good. Okay. All right. Well, good. Well, let's, uh, let's pray, you guys, okay? So, Father in heaven, we do come before you tonight. I want to thank you for everything, Lord. We confess to you that we fall short of your glory every single day. But, Lord, through the precious life and death of Jesus Christ, we claim that forgiveness of sins, cleansing from all unrighteousness, Lord. Father, we hold up our country to you when we ask that you'll pour out your Holy Spirit and convict us of our sins, that, Lord, you'd convict the, uh, all of the elected leaders and all the leaders that uh, have some control, that, Father, you'd convict them of your divine establishment principles. Lord God, please, we just pray that you will... Um, Help our servicemen and women, bring them back safely to us, and bless them with fellowship wherever they're at. Father, we pray for these Ukrainian people and all the ones that are involved in this uh, terrible war, even, even the Russian people who are being persecuted, Lord. And that we ask that, Lord, you'd pour out your spirit on them to help them to uh, just get through this, Father. That's what we ask. And, Lord, we just want to pray for your Christian people around the world, Lord, especially for those who are persecuted for their faith or living in countries where they cannot worship you openly or living in or through some type of a disaster, that, Father, you would please just bless them with extra grace and extra mercy, extra kindness, Lord, and work in their lives. We pray for all of your Christians around the world, Lord, that you would uh, convict us to serve you and to pray to you and to do what's right in your sight, Father. Lord God in heaven, we pray that you'll pour out your Holy Spirit on the unbelievers in this world and that, Lord, you would send out a great conviction with your gospel message. Father in heaven, thank you so much for everything that you do, for who you are. We thank you that, Lord, we're living in a time when it would appear that we're getting very close to uh, the times that are prophesied in, in your word. And Father, so we just pray that you'll bless your word to us. You promised us in Romans that faith comes through the hearing of your word, so we claim that promise. We claim the promise in Revelation chapter 1, Lord, where we will be blessed if we hear or read or uh, obey this, um, this word of Revelation. And Father, we do pray for your wisdom and for your uh, understanding, your knowledge and discretion and your insight into your word. Father, we believe that we're living in a time when you are revealing your mysteries. And so, Lord God, please just help us to understand those mysteries. We pray and thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Boy, it's, still not, it's nice to look out and see it's still light. You know, it's just awesome. Hey, um, turn, 
Turn to Revelation chapter 13. Um, And so, what's going on here in Revelation? Revelation and Daniel are two peas in a same pod. Uh, Revelation from the New Testament, Daniel from the Old Testament, and we're going to be going back and forth between them because you really, one helps explain the other. Does that make sense? Okay. And so what I'm going to do is, and I don't want to just jump around, but I want to try to see if we can understand Revelation chapter 13 tonight and we'll tag it with um, Daniel chapter 7, Daniel chapter 11, and um, possibly even Daniel chapter 8. And then hopefully we can also get to our, our uh, notes, all right? So uh, that's, that's where we're going. And um, you might say to yourself, well, isn't that where we've been? Yeah, that's where we've been, but that's where we're going again, okay? So... Just so you know, let's go to Revelation 13. Let's take a look at that real quick, okay? So Revelation 13, 1. And what I'm going to do is I think I'm just going to read the whole chapter. And I'm going to insert, as I read, I'm going to insert some teachings in there so that we don't have to come back and re-explain it, all right? I'm going to do it as I go. So Revelation 13, 1 says... And the dragon stood on the shore of the sea. That's, that's a, a kind of a weird way to start a chapter, but you've got to remember, too, that, you know, when these things were written, they weren't written in chapters and verses. They were just written. And so we know who the dragon is from Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. The dragon is Satan. That's what it says there. So, and the dragon, or Satan, stood on the shore of the sea. Well, you know, there's so much imagery in this book. Uh, I mean, what was he doing? Suntanning himself? Uh, You know, no. The shore of the sea, the sea here represents um, Gentile nations. Okay, Gentile nations. In the Bible, when we see the, the word, the land... Okay, generally speaking, that's referring to the land of Israel. Because remember this, okay, all prophecy centers around Jesus Christ and God's relationship to the Jewish people whom he gave covenants to, and then the Christian people, the church whom came along uh, after when the age of Israel was interrupted at the Pentecost, okay? So we'll get back to that. So here is this dragon, and what he's doing is that he's looking or standing or whatever you want to call it, investigating all of the nation, the Gentile nations. And I saw a beast, okay, the beast coming out of the sea, all right? So this beast, we, we studied in, Revel, or, um, in um, Daniel chapter 7, Do you remember we studied in Daniel chapter 2 that uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, had a dream. And he had a dream about this statue, right? And it was a glorious statue. And it was a vision from God. Nebuchadnezzar was looking at the world kingdoms, the Gentile world kingdoms, from the viewpoint of man. And when we look at the Gentile world kingdoms like Babylon, like uh, the Medes and the Persian kingdoms, like the Grecian kingdom, which was huge, like the Roman kingdom, which was huge, the Roman Empire. From the human viewpoint, they're majestic. They created all these beautiful buildings and and they conquered nations and they conquered people and, and blah, 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 right? But from God's viewpoint... These Gentile nations are beasts, which we see in Daniel chapter 7. Daniel has a dream, and he sees these four beasts. The first beast 
is um, the lion, and it, the lion's got wings and all this kind of stuff, and, and that it represents the kingdom of Babylon. Now, remember something about this. There are other kingdoms, okay, but these four kingdoms are the one that influenced Israel the most. And when we think about these kingdoms, these are kingdoms that had something to do with Israel. Now you can say, well, you know, the Aztecs had a great kingdom. Yes, they did. But they didn't have anything to do with Israel, as far as we know anyway. Okay? So Daniel has this dream, and so the angel interprets the dream to Daniel. The first kingdom, the first beast that he saw was this lion, and, he, and this was the kingdom of Babylon with King Nebuchadnezzar. The second uh, kingdom he saw, or the second beast, was this bear, and it was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth, and, and it, was, it was awesome, but that was the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians. And when the, the Medes and the Persians conquered Babylon, the Medes were actually stronger than the Persians, but the Persians ended up being stronger than the Medes. Uh, so that's the reason that the bear was lifted up on one side, had kind of a little, little more um, muscles or something on the one side. That represents the Persians. Then after that, we see the leopard, okay, the leopard kingdom. This is a very swift animal with wings, and that represented Alexander the Great's kingdom. Who, and he, at, 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 at the age of his mid to later 20s, very early 30s, conquered all those kingdoms. He conquered basically the world. And if you look at uh, the, the map of the Grecian kingdom, it's just he was, he was a brilliant, brilliant general. He ended up dying um, at a very young age. I think he was 32. He ended up dying from an arrow wound, um, which never healed, but he was also a raging alcoholic and some other things, as many kings will be, but um, he, was, he was amazing. Then the fourth kingdom that Daniel sees in this dream is this beast, and it's unlike all the other kingdoms. It has iron teeth, and, and it, it devours everything in its way, and it stomps it down, and that was uh, the Roman kingdom. And so when we think about the kingdom of Rome, okay, the Roman kingdom was a very lengthy kingdom. Most of those kingdoms, I don't have the exact dates at the top of my head, but most of them averaged about 200 years. That's the average, the life average of a kingdom, if you will, especially a democracy. Uh, so we're, we're past that time now in the United States of America. And so anyway, so this Roman kingdom lasted for about a thousand years up until about 474 AD and it kind of imploded from within they became so narcissistic and so um, just evil that they they just they just imploded from within kind of like kind of like what the United States is doing right now really if you if you think about it you know um, but did the Roman kingdom ever cease to exist? And I've been thinking about this, okay? So when the Roman kingdom split, all right, when, when we see Nebuchadnezzar's dream of the statue, and it was the head of gold, Babylon. It was the ch chest and the arms of silver, the Medes and the Persians, and then he had the bronze uh, 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 guardian uh, medal here around his midsection. That was um, the kingdom of Greece. And then the two legs were, were made of iron. And those represented the western and the eastern um, Roman uh, kingdom, Roman Empire. When the political part of the Roman Empire sort of went out of business, if you will... The spiritual part of the Roman Empire kept going. 
And it kept going and it kept going and it became the Catholic Church. It really did. And so the Catholic Church today has a billion or more members of their church. The good news is many are born again, which is awesome, okay? And then there are some, of course, as in any denomination, which aren't. But the... The Roman Empire still has a representative, if you will, in Rome. And we're going to see in chapter 17 that that is going to blossom. That, that, that uh, ecumenical uh, melding of all religions under one banner is going to blossom in chapter 17. And we're going to see that. So in chapter 13, well, that's a lot of explanation for just one verse, isn't it? Wow. So, I mean, are you getting it, though? Okay. So the dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast. Now, this is the Antichrist and or his kingdom. This is going to be a revived Roman Empire. Now, why do we say that? Well, because... The Roman society still goes on strong. The Grecian society and the Roman society are still influencing the world. All you got to do is go to Europe. And you go to Europe and you're going to see Roman architecture and Grecian architecture everywhere. Go to Washington, D.C. Guess what you're going to see? Roman arch architecture. Yeah. Go to uh, uh, many of the state capitals and you're going to see... Roman or Grecian architecture. So the influence is still here today for sure. And um, so this beast here, we're going to find out, is a composite beast. What do I mean by composite? It's made up of all aspects of the Babylon, the Medes and the Persian kingdom, the Grecian kingdom, and the Roman kingdom. It's going to have attributes of all those kingdoms, the one that's coming. Do you remember on the statue there? So we've got the two legs, okay, the two legs of iron, one representing, I believe, one representing the political, and one representing the Holy Roman Empire. Then you've got the ten toes, and the ten toes are made up of what? Do you remember? Clay and iron. Clay and iron. So does clay and iron mix? No. You can't weld clay, you know, and, and they won't stick together. So it's, it's going to be a kingdom that's not going to stick together eventually. And what the, t the ten toes are here of that dream, they are the same as the ten horns. They're the same as the ten horns in Daniel chapter 7. They're the same as the ten horns in uh, uh, Revelation chapter 13. So let's just read it right now. I'm glad you suggested that. Thank you. And I saw a beast coming out of the sea. So this beast, this kingdom or king, is a Gentile kingdom. He had ten horns and seven heads. Horns represent power and seven heads. Let's see what I wrote down for that. Heads, horns, heads. Um, seven heads. Well, we know from Revelation 7, 19, the seven heads equals seven hills. We also know from Revelation 9, uh, 7, 9, 7, 9, is that the seven heads equals seven kings. So these heads here, okay, ten, we've got ten horns. That's power. We've got seven heads, which could be seven kings, and ten crowns, on his horns. Now this is interesting because in Revelation chapter 12 verse 3 we see a description of Satan. It says then another sign appeared in heaven an enormous red dragon with seven heads. Okay, how many heads did the beast have? Seven heads. Okay, same. So this he represents Satan in this for sure. Seven heads. And ten horns, same as this beast out of the sea, and seven crowns on his heads. 
Well, this guy here coming out of the sea has ten horns on his, ten crowns on his horns. Okay, so there's a little difference there which we'll have to figure out. On each head, a blasphemous name. So blasphemous. So what would the Bible call blasphemy? Something that is said or written that is against God most high? That, I think that would be a broad qualification of blasphemy. So something about this kingdom or this king is very blasphemous to God. Now, it says here in verse 2, Ooh, we only took about 15 minutes to get through verse 1. That's not bad. We might get to verse 4 tonight. The beast I saw resembled what? A leopard. Who was the leopard? Grecian. Okay. But had feet like those of a bear. Who was the bear? Medes and the Persians. And a mouth like that of a lion, the Babylonian kingdom. So this beast is a composite beast of Babylonia, Grecian kingdom, and the um, Medes and the Persian kingdom. Now, remember something about Persia. In 1936, the name Persia was changed to what name? Do you know? Iran. What does Iran want to do? Iran wants to start and, and build a caliphate, if you will. What is a caliphate? A caliphate is a kingdom that is Muslim in nature. Right? They want to build an Islamic caliphate. And how are they doing that? Well, they're trying to destroy Israel. They're trying to take over Syria, which they've got a lot of influence in. They're trying to take over Lebanon, which we have Hezbollah. They've already influenced the Gaza Strip, which is... Um, Hamas, they've already influenced um, the West Bank, which is the PLO, the Palestinian organization. All of those little cliques are all Islamic headings that all trace their roots back to Iran. Okay? Yeah. Turkey is 99.9% .9 Muslim. That's exactly right. And Turkey is going to have a huge part to play in these last end time things. Now, Turkey is a member of NATO right now, the National or the North Atlantic, North Atlantic Treaty Organization. I knew I was close. And, uh, <laughs> but they will probably, they're, they're already making preparations to side with Russia. And to, they've got uh, alliances with, with uh, Iran and probably even Iraq, I don't know. But yeah, Turkey's going to be a big player in the end times for sure. That's Beth Togarma when we see it in the Old Testament, okay? All right, so it says, The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but he had feet like those of a bear and mouth like that of a, a lion. The dragon, or Satan, gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority, okay? So the beast, uh, or the beast received power directly from Satan. Now, if you don't think that Satan has power, then you're not thinking correctly. Satan does have power. Remember something. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Right now, the Holy Spirit is restraining that evil. It's restraining or holding down Satan's power and the evil that comes out of Satan. But when the church is gone, then the Holy Spirit changes its direction. We're, now we're up back under the law of Moses again. Israel is in the, is in the, uh, the, the gun sites and Satan will be allowed to absolutely extend his evil as the world has never seen. Jesus even said that if those days had not been shortened, then no flesh would survive. That's how evil it's going to be. It's going to be very, very evil. Now, so 
the, the dragon or Satan gave the beast this king and kingdom, his power and his throne and great authority. Now we're going to assume that he's talking about the king right now because he's using a personal pronoun, his, right? He and his. So one of the hard things to do is to separate out when they're talking about the king and when they're talking about the kingdom, okay? Um, some scriptures you could, you could actually relate to both. And then there's some scriptures that you relate just to the Antichrist, and then some scriptures that you relate to his kingdom. Now, we go on. It says, The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. Let me read something to you, too, that just came across my mind as soon as I can find it. So hold, listen to this. Um, oh, listen to this. This is in Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 12. Here's what it says. John writes, To the angel of the church in Pergamum. Where is Pergamum? Do you know? It's Turkey. Yeah, that's right. These are the words of him who has the sharp, double-edged sword. I know where you live where Satan has his throne. Isn't that amazing? So, in Revelation 13, Satan gives this beast his power, his throne, and great authority. Now, and, and, and I explained to you the difference between power and authority, right? Right? If you, if you go to the, a roundabout in uh, some European countries or, or in some, even in some uh, other countries, in Mexico, for example, there would be a policeman at the roundabout. And the cars there have the power because they're the ones that are driving around the roundabout. But he has the white gloves on. And when he raises that white glove, glove and says stop, those cars have to stop because they'll break the law and they'll get put in a Mexican jail. It's about the last thing you want to do. Okay? So power is different than authority. Are you with me? The policeman does not have the power to stop the cars, but he does have the authority. So, um, so Satan gives this antichrist the power and the authority, and his throne. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. Well, let's just keep going, and I'll come back to that. The whole world was astonished and followed the beast. Men worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast, and they also worshipped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast? Who can make war against him? The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise his authority for 42 months. That would be three and a half years. He opened his mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. He was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them, and he was given authority over every tribe, people, languages, and nations. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. So this chapter uh, 13, verse 3, one of the heads of the beast seemed to have a fatal wound. Now, how many heads have we got on this beast? Seven heads. Okay. So the Bible here is saying one of his heads had a fatal wound. And I believe, let me see if it's in, in the rest. Uh, let me see if it's in this chapter. Hold on. Um, let me see. Go to uh, Revelation 13, verse 12. Okay. Or go to verse 11. Then I saw another beast. So we got another beast to deal with. Coming out of the earth. Many, if you look at this from a historical 
perspective, this could easily be that this beast is coming out of the nation of Israel because Israel is the land, okay? So we'll, we'll come back to that when we get to this. He had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. So he spoke like Satan, but he looked spiritual. He exercised all the authority of the first beast, that's the Antichrist, on his behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. And he performed great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven. Okay, so look here. Let's keep going. Let's just keep going down, okay? From heaven to earth in full view of men. Verse 14. Because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, the Antichrist, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. He ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. So what we know about this beast in Revelation 13, 3, one of the heads of the beast seemed to have a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. So this word for wound is the same word that we see for any wound, like the wounds of Christ. It says here in my version, it's, it seemed like it was a fatal wound. So was it a fatal wound or not? Um, the, the Revelation chapter 13, verse, uh, the last part of verse 12 says, whose fatal wound had been healed. Okay, whose fatal wound had been healed. And then he says in verse uh, 15, Let's see, or verse 14, it says, the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. So something happens to this Antichrist, okay, to where he is wounded apparently in some type of a battle or, or perhaps an assassination attempt because I, I, I don't think that he's talking about the kingdom here that the kingdom was wounded, you know, I think that he's talking about the Antichrist. And so what was this wound? Well, it says he was wounded by the sword. So when we think about the Old Testament, or excuse me, when we think about the, the writing or the time that John was living in, they didn't have guns. So he may have been describing whatever weapon it was as a sword, or it could have been a sword. I mean, that's what it says. So what happened? I'm just conjecturing here, okay? So don't, don't hold me to this absolute... Steve said... Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm conjecturing that this Antichrist was given a fatal wound probably by an assassination attempt. He either died and... Satan was allowed to resurrect him from the dead. So then the question would bring, does Satan have the power to bring people back from the dead? Okay, he does have power. Um, or it seemed like a fatal wound and really wasn't a fatal wound. What we do know is there's going to be a lot of deception and a lot of deceit here in this whole uh, scenario between this first beast, which is the Antichrist, and the second beast, which is the false prophet. Okay? So let's just say this. This Antichrist had some type of a wound that seemed to be fatal, and he seemed to be resurrected from the dead. That is a counterfeit of Jesus Christ being resurrected from the dead. Okay? Remember something. Satan, this is the infernal trinity, the 666, okay? Satan takes the place of God the Father. The Antichrist 
takes the place of Jesus the Christ. And the false prophet takes the place of the Holy Spirit. So you've got the unholy trinity masquerading or counterfeiting as the holy trinity. Okay? Now, so then this wound, I mean, it's, it's quite the deal. I mean, the whole world was astonished, it says, and followed the beast. I mean, that's, you know, we, we think about this. How could the whole world do this? Well, let me tell you something. If, I mean, look at, look at even just what's happening in our day. The idol worship. The worship of athletes. The worship of entertainers and Hollywood uh, celebrities, okay? The, the worship of all kinds of things. There's all kinds, yeah, and people worship themselves, don't they? That's right. And so it's not a far leap to go from this Antichrist coming up and solving, posing as solving the world's problems, the Middle East connection, and all of this stuff, and having the world go, oh, wow, yeah, this, this guy is... He's better than sliced bread, man. We gotta, we gotta worship him. Go with me to. Let's just stay there for just a minute. Go with me to Daniel, and let's go to chapter. Let me see what we got here. Well, let's go to chapter nine first. Okay, chapter nine, and um, let's go to verse twenty-six. How many of you were in church Sunday? Okay, how many of you were not in church Sunday? Let me ask you that. Okay, so then in church Sunday, I went through this prophecy of the, of the sevens, okay, the 77s. And uh, I won't go through that tonight, but let's just look at a portion of it. It says here, I'm on... Um, let's go to verse 25. Know and understand this, the angel says to Daniel. From the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, that decree was issued on March 14th, 445 B.C. Okay, from that decree, which was the starting point, until the anointed one, that would be Jesus Christ, the ruler comes there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. So that's a total of how many? Seven and 62 to 69 sevens, right? So that takes us from this issuing of the decree in 445 BC, it takes us to when Jesus Christ rode the donkey to the exact day that he was sacrificed on the cross the exact day, this particular prophecy, okay? But let's just go on and, 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 and look at the rest of, um, of this. It says, the anointed one, the ruler comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. So that's 69 sevens, we're still missing a seven. And what is this seven? The seven is a... a um, it's a seven of years, all right? So let's look at this for just a minute. It says here, after the 62 sevens, I'm in verse 26, the anointed one will be cut off, that's Jesus, and will have nothing, that was when he was crucified. The people of the ruler who will come and destroy the city and the sanctuary, who came in 70 A.D. and destroyed the city of Jerusalem and the temple? It's the Romans, okay? So the people of the ruler, this would be the Romans. The Romans will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end, and desolations have been decreed. Now, we jump from Jesus Christ being cut off 
we jump directly from there, fast forward to the seven-year tribulation. And that's this last week. Listen, verse 27. He, let's see. He, who's he? He is the Antichrist here, okay? He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven, for one period of seven years. In the middle of the seven, three and a half years into this covenant, he, the Antichrist, will put an end to sacrifice and offering. What that tells us is that there is going to be a Jewish temple rebuilt and that they are going to have sacrifice, they're going to set up sacrifices just like they did in Moses' day. It says, and on a wing of the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Jesus warned us. Look at Matthew. Go um, keep your finger here in Daniel chapter um, 9. And if you want to go to Matthew chapter, you don't have to go there. I'll just read it to you. Matthew chapter 24. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says this. When you see standing in the holy place, what would be the Jewish holy place? The temple. When you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel. We just read it in Daniel. Let the reader understand. What is the abomination that causes desolation? Well, we've already had an example of it in Antiochus Epiphanes. In 168 BC, he went, he was a, a, a ruler of the Seleucid kingdom, which would now be Syria, and he came down and sacked Israel, Jerusalem, and he went into the temple and he sacrificed a pig to the god Jupiter, and that was the desolation, that, the abomination that causes desolation. If you read in the Catholic Bible, in the book of Maccabees, it talks about how the Maccabean um, family came in and got rid of this dude and, and run him out of town and restored the temple. So the Antichrist, according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 9, is going to set himself up in the temple which is going to be an abomination. And what he's going to say to the people uh, halfway, midway through the tribulation is, I am God. Stop the sacrifices. I am God. That's what it says in 2 Thessalonians. Do you remember reading that in 2 Thessalonians? Do you want me to go back and read it to you again? That's a yes? Okay. Wow. All right, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And... This is just awesome. Here's what it says. So the, th the, the Thessalonian church had been receiving false doctrine that the day of the Lord had already come and they missed it. Okay? So Paul writes to them in chapter 2, starting at verse 1, Concern, concerning the coming of our Lord, this is speaking of the rapture, Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him. We ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us, saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day, the rapture will not come, until the rebellion occurs, there will be a falling away from the faith. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He, that would be this Antichrist, same Antichrist that's in Revelation chapter 13, same Antichrist that's in Daniel chapter 9, he will oppose and will exalt himself 
over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. That's amazing, isn't it? And people are going to buy it. Why are they going to buy it? Well, I'll tell you in just a few minutes. Okay. Now, look at Revelation. Let's see. Hold on. Or not Revelation. Look at Daniel chapter 11. Wow. Revelation, or Daniel chapter 11, verse 31. His armed forces, okay? His armed forces will rise up to desecrate the temple fortress and will abolish the daily sacrifice. Then they will set up the abomination that causes desolation. With flattery, he will corrupt those who have violated the covenant. But the people who know their God will firmly resist him. Those who are wise will instruct many, though for a time they will fall by the sword or be burned or captured or plundered. When they fall, they will receive a little help, and many who are not sincere will join them. Some of the wise will stumble so that they may be refined, purified, and made spotless until the time of the end, for it will still come at the appointed time. The king, this would be the Antichrist, will do as he pleases. He will exalt and magnify himself above every god and will say unheard of things against the god of gods. In other words, blasphemy. He will be successful until the time of wrath is completed. For what has been determined must take place. He will show no regard for the God, your version may say gods, of his fathers or the one or for the one desired by woman, women. Nor will he regard any God, but will exalt himself above them all. Instead of them, Instead of the, these gods, this would be the God of, um, this would be the Lord Jehovah too. Instead of them, he will honor a God of fortresses. What would that speak to you about? War. War. He will honor a God of fortresses, a God unknown to his father. He will honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and costly gifts, he will attack the mightiest fortresses with the help of a foreign god and will greatly honor those who acknowledge him. That foreign god with the little g may refer here to Satan. He will make them, he will make them rulers over many people and would distribute the land, that would be of the land of Israel, at a price. It's interesting because, you know, the world leaders have been trying to divide up the land of Israel for quite some time now. And they're saying to the Jews, well, you've got to give back the Golan Heights. If the Jews gave back the Golan Heights, that would completely wipe out any defensive position they have. They would be completely vulnerable to attack. And so I, I believe that this is, this is referring to that. Look at, um, let me see if there's anything else here. Oh, no. Okay, now. Uh, yeah, of course. Because I don't know how I'm reading this. Is this saying then that the land of Israel doesn't get divided, does it? Well, they're going to they're gonna try. Well, yeah, try, but it doesn't really happen. No, they're going to try, though. Yeah. As far as we know, it doesn't happen. I mean, Israel's going to be fighting for Jerusalem. They're going to be fighting for their land. I mean, and God's going to fight for them too. Okay, now let me see here. Um, Daniel. All right, go back with me then. You see Daniel chapter 11. Is there anything else I want to read to you? Okay, go back with me to Revelation chapter 13. 
Okay. And we may be back in Daniel again soon. Um, do you see how this goes together, though? It, it, isn't it interesting? I mean, I think it's very interesting to see how that God, thousands of years ago, prophesied to Daniel about the same thing that's going to happen in our future. That's amazing. So we are in Revelation chapter 13, and we will start in verse 4. Revelation 13, 4. What? What's the matter? What's the matter with you people? All right, here we go. We're going to get finished with this chapter. Then. <laughs> it says, Men worship the dragon. Who's the dragon? Satan. Isn't that amazing? Men worshiped Satan. When we leave this earth, this earth is going to be full of Satan worshipers. That's amazing. It says here, men worship the dragon because he, that would be the dragon, had given authority to the beast or the antichrist, and they also worship the beast. And here's what they asked. Who is like the beast? Who can make war against him? What did we read in Daniel? He worshipped, he honored a god of what? Fortresses. Yeah. Who can make war like, who can make war against him? The beast, or the Antichrist, was given a mouth to utter words and blasphemies and to exercise his authority for 42 months. This is going to be when the abomination of desolation happens. That's going to be midway through the tribulation. And at that point in time, this is when the Antichrist is going to turn on the Christians, on, on anybody that doesn't follow his system. It says here, He opened his mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name so he's going to slander God's name. He's going to blaspheme and slander his dwelling place, which is heaven, and those who live in heaven. That's interesting. You know, when I read this, I keep, I keep thinking that we, we won't find out anything more about Revelation, but we keep finding things more, right? But think about this for just a minute. He slanders those who live in heaven, right? Why? Okay. Maybe he's coming. Yeah, Bill? Okay. What's Genesis 11.4 say? Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, if, if our hope is that we get to see our relatives in heaven, yeah. If, uh, if he's going to speak against that, like, he's going to say you're never going to see your family, it's all a lie, I mean, that would really discourage a lot of Christians. Okay. What I was thinking, okay, a little steam rolling up from my head here, you know. <laughs> is what's he going to explain when the rapture happens? Would he be blaspheming the fact that the rapture happened? Those who dwell in heaven, blaspheming them and saying something like uh, UFOs took them or, or they died because of such and such or, or, I mean, some kind of blasphemy. You know, God didn't take them in, in this so-called rapture or whatever, and and so I'm just I'm just putting that one out to you because it may be that that's what part of this is about. Um, he was given power, it says, verse seven, to make war against the saints and to conquer them. Now, you got to remember three things here. Number one thing is when the rapture happens, 
all the born-again Christians go, okay? So whoever's left in churches is not born again. We're going to have the two witnesses that God is going to send. That's going to be Moses and Elijah in all probability. And what are they going to do? They're going to call down signs from heaven, all kinds of stuff. They're going to be the first wave of evangelism during the tribulation. How many people are going to believe because of them? A lot. God is going to commission 144,000 Jewish people to be witnesses, and he's going to seal them in their foreheads so that the Antichrist can't kill them. Take 144,000 Billy Grahams, spread them through the world to the nations. How many people do you think are going to come to the Lord at that time? A lot. The third thing, the third wave of evangelism is going to be made by an angel flying overhead, and he's probably going to be speaking in whoever's language. Yeah. And that's going to, be, how many people are going to be believe because of that? So what I'm, the point I'm making is this. There are going to be saints and born-again ones during the tribulation. It probably will be the greatest revival that's ever happened on the face of the earth. There will probably be more people saved during that time than there will during any other time uh, on earth. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. When we are gone and our husband is sitting across from us, <laughs> they just deny the possibility of this forever and see, and our kids, and you know, so that's kind of like we need to be proclaiming because that's going to be the seed for when. That's very, very true. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, we are the prequel. To the, uh, to the evangelistic effort uh, of the tribulation. Okay, so, verse 8. Uh, let's go to verse 7. He was, con he was given power, okay? You're going to know this chapter, I'm telling you. There's going to be a quiz next week. <laughs> he was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. And he was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the book of life, belonging to the lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. He who has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity he will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword he will be killed. And I look at this as this, is I look at this verse as pertaining to the Christians. If they're going to take you to, into jail, you're going to go into jail. If they're going to kill you, they're going to kill you, okay? Um, it's it's kind of useless to get out your AR-15 and start taking, you know, all of them out. I mean, probably wouldn't mind taking a few of them out, but, uh, but ultimately, you know, there's going to be too many. Now... One thing I do want to, to bring out to you, let me go to Revelation chapter 2 real quick, is this, is that, um, is at the end of every letter to every church. Are you with me? How many churches? Seven churches. He says this, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's the church in Smyrna, the church in Ephesus. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. In, um, oh, let me see here. Let's see Sardis here. Yeah, Sardis, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. But go back to Revelation 13 with me. Verse 
verse 9, and what does it say? He who has an ear... No churches there, is there? You know why there's no churches there? Because we're gone. Yeah, exactly. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of the saints. Now in verse 11, we get into the second beast, who in Revelation chapter 19, verse 19, says this, okay? Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth. Oh, wait a minute. Let me see. Is that what I want to? Okay, yes. Okay. And the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against the rider on the horse. That's Jesus. We'll get to this. And his army. But the beast, this is the Antichrist, but the beast was captured and with him the false prophet who had performed the miraculous signs on his behalf. With these signs, he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The two of them, that would be the Antichrist and the false prophet, were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. So, when we look at Revelation chapter 13, starting at verse 11... John says this, Then I saw another beast. He's speaking about this false prophet. Coming out of the earth. Does this mean he's going to be from Israel or is he going to be Jewish? He had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. He exercised all the authority of the first beast, the Antichrist, on his behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose fatal wound had been healed. And he performed great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men. This is going to be in, this is going to be in a counteraction of what Elijah does. The two prophets that come down, it says that Elijah is going to call fire down from heaven. And so to counteract that, that's what this false prophet's going to do. It says this. On behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. He ordered them, that would be the inhabitants of the earth, I'm assuming, to set up an image in honor of the beast, the Antichrist who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. He was given power, so this has got to be the, the um, false prophet. The false prophet was given power. Who did he get his power from? Satan. Okay. To give breath to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. Now, we don't quite understand this, but when I read this, the first thought that I come to is that image that Nebuchadnezzar set up in the plains of Shinar. It was 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide, and it was, it was covered with gold, complete gold. And he ordered the inhabitants of Babylonia to fall down and worship that image. So that is almost like a little bit of a precursor here to what we see here. Will this image actually be alive? We have, the world has, enough technology now between holograms and between all the rest of that. I'm telling you, they could, they could probably make something that would knock on that door, look like it was walking in here and talking to us and in all aspects it would be some type of a deception. In my version it says to live and speak, but it doesn't say breathe. So like AI can have the illusion of speaking and thinking, but breath comes from God. Yeah, but it could have the illusion of breathing. It doesn't say breathe. Yeah, that's interesting. I'll have to look that up in the in the Greek and see what what that says. Because breath in the Greek is the word pneuma, 
That's where we get pneumatic. And um, I'll see if that's in there. I, I didn't study that. That's good. good point, though. Um, so then down in verse uh, 16, he, that would be this false prophet, also forced everyone, small and great. So if you're short, you know, or tall, you're going to get there. Rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. No kidding. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, for it is man's number. His number is 666. So what we'll do is next week, we will probably start, well, we're going we're gonna to coordinate verse 11 with Revelation chapter 17. Chapter 14 is a parenthesis chapter, so we still studied, of course, but we'll get into that mark of the beast and try to figure out whatever we can figure out. So, Father in heaven, thank you for letting us um, study your word. We just pray that you'll bless it to us and help us to understand it. We pray that you'll bless this Sunday service and bring as many people to it as you want to have come. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, you'll have to excuse me because I've got to go to the back bathroom. Uh-huh. <laughs>